0: You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hello, hello, welcome to another episode. Today, I am honored to be joined by the five-time book author, Dr. Dan Emmergluck. <laughs> Thank you for your time today.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: We will be discussing not only the Red Hot City, aka Atlanta, and his book of the same name, but also how this applies to cities elsewhere. Professor or Dr. Dan Immergluck is a current professor of urban studies at Georgia State University. He has consulted with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, a.k.a. it's HUD, y'all. We as realtors, we're very familiar with them. The Department of Justice, the Center for Community Progress, and the Atlanta Legal Aid, to name just a few. He's also been a visiting scholar at the Federal Reserve Bank right here in Atlanta, And last but certainly not least, he is a proud hashtag girl dad of two daughters and his wife is an academic pediatrician at the Morehouse School of Medicine. So with all of that being said, and I'm just really excited to get into your book. Before we do though, Let's break the ice a little and help our audience get to know you with just some fun, rapid fire questions, no pressure. Okay. <laughs> and the audience knows whenever I do this, I never give them in advance so that we can just get your gut responses. So here we go Midtown or the country? Midtown. Okay. I think that you would say that too, but we'll talk more about everything. Okay, ranch style. So one level home or Victorian, two-door, two-story home with a basement.
0: Uh boy, uh, Victorian, two, two-story.
1: Okay. Tiny house or RV. Uh,
0: that's a good one. Uh, I think the RV.
1: Why? Is it because of the mobility?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would think too. And I'm,
0: I'm getting up in years. So, you know, traveling is starting to be on my mind.
1: I love it. No, that's great. And last one, home gym or home office?
0: Uh, I have to say home office.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which it looks like you're in now. That's right. Okay. And I know our audience, um, I doubt we'll use the video. This is pretty much going to be audio only. So they didn't know that, but I'm telling you all just to (laughs) let you into his world a little bit. Well, thank you, Dr. Emmer Gluck, for playing and allowing us to just get to know you on the fun side a little bit. Now let's get into our main topic your eye opening book entitled, again, Red Hot City housing, race, and exclusion in 21st century Atlanta, which is a topic that, again, as realtors, this is near and dear to our heart. So to begin, for those that have yet to grab a copy of this outstanding read, which really hasn't even been out long, um, may we have a synopsis? Uh, it's
0: it's hard to summarize the book, but I would say it it has some history of housing and race in the city from really the 20th, especially throughout the 20th century, but most of it focuses on changes in Atlanta and policy decisions in Atlanta, both the city and the region since the 1996 Olympics. It focuses on racial change, gentrification in the city, and the continued kind of exclusion of lower income uh, folks from the more affluent suburbs.
1: It's so important and vital that we have this this record because I'll say, as a real estate professional, I think sometimes not not all the time, but sometimes we may be so focused on our individual business, or maybe even if we are a broker of an office or we have a team, we we do kind of step back and look at things that affect, again, me and mine, right? So I love that this book kind of helps even us as professionals who do this for a living kind of step back and look at some of the the more long-term implications, particularly when it comes to these policy decisions that are being made. So I thank you for writing this book. What motivated you to write the book?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, I've been doing research, teaching, and some policy work in Atlanta since I moved here in 2005. Um, I was at Georgia Tech for a dozen years and then been at Georgia State for five or six years, and I've done a lot of uh, research on changes in the city, on real estate, on development in the city and in the suburbs, and I've pretty much over that whole period of time, time and time again, I've seen policy decisions made uh, repeatedly uh, that favored really continued racial and economic exclusion in certain places um, when they could have favored more inclusion, more diversity, more affordable housing, that kind of thing. And it's so it's been, I call it a catharsis. It's kind of the release of 17 years of frustration in what's gone on in the region and at the state level as well.
1: Wow. Very important. And again, I I'm just very thankful to now have this book as a part of my library because it's been, again, very eye-opening. You mentioned a few things, including the fact that we have intentionally, through policy, gone the direction away from diversity, away from affordability, So can you tell us a little bit more about, um, again, I feel like this is a huge question to ask, but whatever your thoughts are. So what do you think specifically, and I know, again, it's in your book, what are some of the things that have led to this affordability crisis that we're seeing and what are some recommendations?
0: Sure. So, you know, the city uh, had... Uh, kind of starting with the city itself, the city had pockets of gentrification, like many cities do in the in the 70s and the 80s. But really, during those periods, the city was what what folks sometimes call a declining city. Uh, you know, property values weren't going up much. Uh, there was a lot of continued white flight. Uh, and around the Olympics, there were a variety of policy decisions made to try to turn the city around, uh, to make it uh, more welcoming, more attractive to middle-income and upper-income folks. But that also meant uh, less diverse folks, particularly white folks. And you know, there wasn't much thought given to, what if this gets out of control? What if, you know, basically folks start flocking to the city and that drives up property values? Shouldn't we provide for a longer term outlook that maintains uh, a more diverse population, both economically and racially? No, the focus was really on let's turn this around and really focus on more affluent folks. And it really did take off. Uh, There was a There was a city task force on gentrification that wrote a report in 2001, kind of right in the wake of the Olympics. And they pointed to about 20 policies, mostly focused on encouraging affordable housing, encouraging more stability for renters, Most of those policy recommendations were kind of, they were just discarded. They were not acted on. If they were acted on, they weren't implemented, even if they were kind of legislated. And then the planning for the Beltline started. And that was even more, even though the original visions were the Beltline, weren't really by Ryan Gravel and others, were really more about connecting neighborhoods. It really became a project, uh, an economic development project, a, a real estate development project. And the focus again was on attracting upper income folks, on increasing property values, and there was not much thought, except by a few advocates, to what this might mean for affordable housing, for displacement, for those kinds of issues. And you know, we we now know what the Beltline for you know for all the things that are good about the Beltline, it really has been an engine of gentrification and displacement. We saw lots of jobs come in to the city after the Great Recession. And a lot of the demand for housing resulting from those jobs was focused around the Beltline. And so we saw these spikes in values both before the recession, when the Beltline was just starting, and after the recession. And that has really kind of spread outward now. And a large part of the city is now really unaffordable to you know, especially lower middle class and lower income folks. Um, So time and time again, we've made those uh, decisions to focus on, you know, reviving the city when we were past the point of needing to revive the city by the time the Beltline came, meaning we were at the point where the engine had started and we needed to think more long term. Even when the Great Recession came and the foreclosure crisis came and values came down a lot, we kind of had a second chance, a second bite at the apple to try to do something in terms of affordability because property values dropped a lot. We could have acquired lots of vacant homes for affordable housing. And the decision really was, was not that. The focus was, let's build the Beltline. Let's, let's build Pont City Market. Let's focus on beautification and attracting a higher income population when we really should have taken the opportunity to acquire properties, to land bank properties for this very foreseeable boom that happened after the foreclosure crisis.
1: My goodness, you know, and again, thank you for sharing that. And again, I don't want to give too many spoilers because I want people to get your book as well. And in the book, for those of you that want to delve deeper into what Dr. Emmer Gluck just said, he does, he actually goes in much deeper. So thank you again for that. And I'll probably leave us with this last question or two, last question or two, but we as realtors, are known as America's largest trade association. And so much of what you've said in regards to, one, you mentioned there were only really a few advocates really still trying to make sure the least of us, so to speak, you know, is still thought of, is still a part of the conversation. What can we do from here? I know we can't go back and time, At least not yet. I'm working on sure. a team, but <laughs>
0: sure. Well, a couple of things. One is support affordable housing efforts in general. Um, I know, you know, groups like House ATL, but also the Housing Justice League and other groups. But, you know, I'll be frank uh, the Georgia Realtors Association, in particular, is a major impediment to affordable housing progress. Uh, It regularly lobbies against activities that might protect tenants more. It joins together with the Georgia Apartments Association against even the littlest kind of improvements to laws that protect tenants. Georgia is about the worst state. One of the, I would say, five or six worst states in the state for not protecting tenants Uh, for really making have landlords having the power to evict whenever they want for any reason they want. Um, But the other thing is, you know, we have had huge state surpluses, uh, financial surpluses, none of that has gone to affordable housing. Um, The city has made some progress a little bit. um, And House ATL is kind of part of that a little bit more money for the first time the city is going to spend some of its city of Atlanta is going to spend a little bit of its budget on affordable housing on its own city budget, meaning not federal money. But the state, other than the low income housing tax credit, does almost nothing. Um, It it has a housing trust fund for homelessness that is like $3 million a year. It's, you know, absurd. Uh, So pushing the state to become more involved both in funding and in protecting tenants and working within your statewide association to not be so knee-jerk. I find realtors associations are, they just kind of go along with whatever the, whatever they've done in the past. You know, we're against tenant protections or we're gonna, you know, we need the apartment association for this policy. So we're gonna agree with them on this policy. And a lot of those policies are, are bad for low income folks. So I'll, you know, it's, it's a tough truth, but it, it's, I know a lot of realtors who want to do things, but the association, the state level association, at least has, has been more an impediment than a help, I'm
1: afraid. Very interesting. And, you know, it just opens up so many more questions. I know we don't have <laughs> really that type of time, but sure. I definitely, I want to challenge even us to think about how can we, I don't know that we can strike a balance. I was getting ready to say balance, but how can we attempt to reconcile the fact that again, as agents, as many of us are landlords, property owners, how can we strike this, again, I hate to use the word balance, but I'll just say it, this balance in doing that side of the deals but then still caring about our communities even um you know so tenants those that again are dealing with the affordability crisis the most how i think this is the ongoing question for us um I don't know if you have any thoughts on that i I do
0: because (laughs) i I guess i would encourage you and your members to think about taking the high road of the profession there are low road property owners there are higher road property owners and the low road property owners benefit from folks having lots of evictions on the record because then those folks are kind of segregated out of the mainstream property market and tenant market because they have these evictions so they're captive to the low road property owners the low road investors so i you know hopefully the majority of uh landlords and the majority of realtor association members take the high road and their interests are actually served because if evict you know Georgia's is one of the highest eviction states in the country And that creates a whole pipeline of folks who are kind of taken out of the mainstream market. And those folks are very unlikely to ever become home buyers, right? Because they're trapped in this cycle of bad real estate and predatory investment. So it's in the interest of the good guys to, to keep that kind of predatory market small. Um, And, you know, I think association, and I've seen this happen in mortgage lending regulation and others where the good guys kind of say, okay, I know our knee-jerk reaction is to be against regulation, but we recognize that a reasonable amount of regulation is good for the good guys. And it distinguishes us from the, and to drive the kind of predatory folks out of business is going to help the, the good parts of the business. So I'd encourage folks to think about that.
1: Well said. Okay, any final th- takeaways for us? Any no, final-
0: I just encourage people to to read the book and to you know I'm always open for feedback, and I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Fantastic! Again, thank you, Dr. Gluck, for your time today, and again, author of a red hot city. It is a red hot city. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much.
1: Thank appreciate you again.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe and for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.